0: So good to have you with us, everybody. It is Monday, June 5th. How time does fly? We're already seem like going through quickly this month and we're into the summer. We appreciate you taking time out of your day to tune in and be with us. So many of you are listening on a streaming basis. We're grateful to have you do so. And as a few of you dial in, we recommend you doing so on a streaming basis. It's a much better experience. And then, of course, many of you listening on a downloaded basis. We really appreciate it appreciate you tuning in. Again, this podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals, and we're grateful to have you as our listener. Our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. hope you will encourage others to do that by forwarding the link to this program on to your friends and associates. Very important. Last week's podcast, that was pre-recorded because we were doing, you know, many of you know, mom had passed away, 92 and a half years old, and lived a long, full life, went strong right up to the end, then fell asleep and, and passed in her sleep. That I may mean, we all be so fortunate, but we had her funeral and memorial service. And so we were not able to make the program last week. So we pre recorded it. We had Jeff Sellers on, who is the president and founder of Emergency Management Solutions. And he talked about something that's very important, especially when you look at the headlines of what's going on. Did you see the headlines? My boss is dead, five killed, as a disgruntled ex-worker opens fire in an Orlando business. You don't think that'll happen in our business. We're pretty civilized, us mortgage bankers. At least we think we are, but the stress levels go up through the roof. So last week we had on... The program, Jeff, talk about how you need to have an operating or EOP, emergency operating procedures. You think, gosh, I, I, even doing that, I was thinking, do we really need this? We're, we're such a civil group here in the mortgage industry. Well, you know what? As the pressures come on, as the world gets wrapping tighter and tighter, I think it's important to have this. But it wasn't just about active shooter situations. It was a lot more. What's interesting is that podcast from last week was the most downloaded podcast of anything we've done thus far this year. So there's some great content in there. I encourage you to listen to it. Now, this week, I am so excited. Of course, I, several people said you're excited about every time you have a new guest on day. Well, I'm excited about today's guest. We have Dr. Deborah Jasper, founder and CEO of Mindset Digital. She has a Ph.D. in storytelling. as so she has a little bit more than that. But while she was a keynote speaker at the Great River Conference that we had up in Memphis, it's where Great Rivers is where four other states come together and they have their, their the surrounding states in that area come together and have their conferences at the same time they share a facility so they each have their own independent state conference but then they come together for the main session. So they're able to bring in and draw a bigger crowd and draw in the really solid speakers like Deborah. I can't wait to tell you the story. The reason you want to stay tuned is in today's world It's no longer getting your message out. We have all these options to get our message out, but it's getting your message in. Did you know that you have seven to eight seconds to connect with your audience? If you don't do it, it used to be you had a much longer period of time. It's getting shorter and shorter and shorter. So how do you do that? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about in the Hot Topic segment. Appreciate you being here with us. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors Arch MI, the creator of the Innovative RateStar program. Man, are they doing well right now. That RateStar app is just something that's so powerful. I encourage you to check it out. Also, Motivity Solutions with providing real-time reporting, dashboards, and scorecards. Don't know how anyone runs a business without knowing. They have real-time information what's going on in their business. Motivity Solutions. KPI of the week will be coming up here in just a little bit. Simplifile, real-time electronic communication exchange. Glad to have them here. Uh, Nancy Alley was a guest of our program while I was at the secondary conference. Go back and listen to that podcast, as well as D&H is Moving Your World Forward. I want to recognize Nina Church Adams, who is the head of all marketing for D&H. She was named as the rising star for 2017, one of the leaders in our industry, but also just one female executive that is coming up in the mortgage industry. And housing Wire recognized her as the rising star for 2017. So go catch that article and read it. Anyway, a lot going on with D&H with the merger of MySys. And D&H and MySys were acquired by Vista. And if that's an interesting story, you want to read an interesting story, go on and listen to the videos, the YouTube videos, of the CEO and the founder of Vista, V-I-S-T-A, that acquired both these companies, merging them. I'm telling you, this is a company you're going to want to be paying attention to, D&H. And they're going to be rebranding themselves, MySysD&H, coming out with a new brand, new name, new everything, soon to be announced. But I tell you, good thing we're glad to have them continue with their sponsorship. Also, and finally, I want to say a special thank you to Alice, Andy, Joe, as well as Sam for taking time out of their busy days to add to the content of this program. There's no immediate uh, MBA conferences coming up. We always like to give you a word on that. But, of course, you can go to the website that our good friend Sam Garcia has, and he's got every event known to man. Two things I want to call your attention to is we have the Motivity Solutions User Conference coming up June 19th. And that's coming up here just in a short time. And we also then have the Mortgage Collaborative coming up. That is August 20th through the 23rd. It's going to be in Nashville. Mortgage Collaborative Summer Conference. we will hear more about that as we get further into the program. Check out all the MBA conferences at SAM's site as well as going to the MBA website at conferences and educations, and while there, sign up for the Mortgage Action Alliance. All right. Let's take a look at what's going on in the markets. I've got the MBS quote line website up here. I have it on my app, mobile app. I look at this thing constantly. It's a great website. And we have Joe Farr. Joe, good to have you here, Fred.
1: Oh, good to be here. Not a lot going on, really. We opened lower kind of giving back some of maybe the gains that we saw on Friday, but uh, have recovered a little bit. We're still down a little bit on the day, but uh, it's only 3.30 seconds at the time. The economic data that came out, this morning had very little effect. It was both the ISM services index and factory orders came in pretty much as expected. An interesting note came out of the Middle East, where a number of Middle Eastern countries has cut off diplomatic relations with Qatar over I Qatar's supporting of terrorism. Yeah, and. Yeah, you know, It, it wasn't didn't create a flight to, to safety or anything, but it is interesting that maybe these countries are following up on what President Trump had asked them to do, which was to begin to take care of some of this on their own and some of yeah. the terrorism issues. I saw
0: that know, as an encouraging sign.
1: Really? It does add to the instability, though, and you've got to keep your eye on that. So looking at last week, Dave, we had... a a, a really a pretty good week. Not a huge move higher in MBS, lower in, in mortgage rates, but we did drop to the lowest rates of the year so far, actually going back to just uh, before the election. So that's nice to see. And that was pretty much driven by a couple factors. One was inflation's low. Core PCE on an annualized basis fell to one and a half percent. It had been 1.8%. I think that was December and January. And then it has fallen yeah, since then down to one5 And so it's kind of moving in the wrong direction from what the Fed has wanted to do. But interesting to note that the likelihood of a Fed rate increase at, at the June 15 meeting June. is yeah. over 90%. So you know, the inflation levels were low and that was good for mortgage rates. And then on Friday, the jobs report was not really very good. 100 uh, and 68,000 new jobs when 185 were expected. Now, that's not a big miss, but then they took away another 66,000 jobs from prior months. So, all in all, it was a pretty big miss on the number of jobs. And, yeah. you know, some people, after following a very big ADP number, had kind of begun to think maybe we would have a bigger number. So, the fact that it wasn't bigger, in fact, it was a miss to the downside, was uh, good for mortgage rates. It also didn't hurt mortgage rates that there was no wage inflation. The wages met expectations. The unemployment rate did drop to the lowest level since 2001, but it it did so because of a loss of people leaving the workforce. So as you would expect, MBS prices improved somewhat on that labor market data. The other data that came out last week was generally weaker than expected. You know, there too would support improving mortgage rates, but didn't see a lot of reactions specifically to these events. But consumer confidence fell a little more than expected. Pending home sales fell when an increase was expected. Same for construction spending and then the ISM manufacturing. Came in just below expectations. So, despite all this, as I mentioned, the Fed uh, has, I think as of today, it's a 95% expectation for a rate hike right at, in June. Yeah. And then uh, looking at the week ahead, uh, there's not a lot of economic data. In fact, really the only economic data to pay attention to is Jolts tomorrow, comes mm-hmm. out at 10 o'clock. But then there are several non economic things that all happen on Thursday that you might want to pay attention to. One is the ECB meeting. Uh, no change in policies expected. You know, it could get guidance as to what might happen in the near future. The other is uh, another election in the United Kingdom. It's a parliamentary election. And the issue here is. How much support is Prime Minister Theresa May going to get from voters in support of her party? There's an expectation that she may not get enough to have a a majority. And any of these signals are signals that make negotiating uh, economic agreements with European Union and Brexit that much more difficult. So that election will get a little attention on Thursday. And then the other thing is former FBI Director Comey's uh, scheduled to testify before the Senate Intelligence Committee on Thursday. And testimony, which was a little bit uh, of a surprise, and it starts at 10 o'clock Eastern time. So it will gather a great deal of attention on Thursday morning.
0: Lots of potential in things that could have an impact. It's going to be interesting because of the – about the British election in light of the terrorist attack that happened there this weekend. Just And my daughter's going to be there. Well, my, and, we're texting my daughter. She's in Vienna right now. She was in Prague, she's gone, she's in Vienna, and then she's spending, you know, four days in Paris and five days in London. So what do you do with that? So anyway, it'll be interesting, though, to see what happens with all of that. Joe, I appreciate you being here. Got a great website. I love the mobile app, Joe. It's great stuff. And for you listeners that are trying to figure out how to get connected with this, stay tuned. We've got an ad that talks about specifically that. Joe, thanks so much. We'll be right back with a Les Parker's update in just a moment.
2: More about MBS Quote Line today at MBSquoteLine.com. MBSquoteLine.com. 646 716 4972. The Lickin' on Lending Show is back. Here is your host, David Lickin. So good to
0: have you with us, everybody. Each week we have Les Parker of Loan Logics give us an update on what he sees and a macro picture of what's going on economically. And he always sets it to a music parody, so it's always entertaining as well as informative. So with that, Les Parker, take it away. Thanks,
3: Dave. This is Market Logics Live, sponsored by Lone Logic. We used to say Ball shine, it's better than flatline, it's better than short time. Not sure better than gain. In the midst of political uncertainty, some investors see opportunity. Think Goldman buying Venezuelan bonds for 31 cents on the dollar. The global economy needs much more opportunistic investing before health is restored. Volatility is like an EEG, a tool to record brain activity. Implied volatility anticipates future activity. In the U.S., it is low, and that is yuck. Of course, there are those that love yuck. One person's yuck is someone else's yum-yum. Declining volatility (laughs) tells us investors don't like Brussels sprouts topped with garlic. These views are my own. Go to LoanLogix.com to subscribe to my daily newsletter.
0: cracks me, up. Russell Files. He had to fit that one in there as well. So never, never ceases to amaze me. It's good stuff. I love what they're doing. I, got, I don't know about it on your side. Love your feedback on that. Can you hear that all right? Because I am hearing that music fairly loud. So I'm going to work with them on the mixing of that for my side. Can't really hear it less quite as well. So I'd love your feedback on all that. But anyway, we also want to say a special thank you to Simplify. Let's take a brief moment listen to what the company does and what they have to offer, and then we're going to be back with alice alvey and we've got an announcement you don't want to miss that be right back after this brief break
4: simplifile has technology that gives you the ability to collaborate with settlement agents via real-time chat and messaging allowing you to track changes send receive and validate
1: documents as well as obtain status updates and deal with issues as they arise. All of this in a real-time electronic communication exchange. And best of all, you have a complete audit trail of all communications. To learn more, go to simplifile.com or call our good
4: friend Nancy Alley at 1-800-460-5657.
0: All right. So at that, Alice Alvey. Now, Alice, good to have you here. We've been teeing this up for so long because we just couldn't quite talk about it yet. So tell the world what you're up to, my friend.
5: Well, thanks, Dave. Yes, I want to let everybody know I am now working with Union Home Mortgage. So I am VP of their partner education and training division. And they have a wonderful training program, wonderful company atmosphere. I really I uh, can't thank Bill Cosgrove and Al Blank enough for their confidence in me to help come and build for them a world-class training d- organization within uh, this wonderful company. So I'm very excited. You know, they live by their slogan, promises kept, and my first week yeah. here has been fantastic. Really wonderful group of people, and everybody's been very welcoming. So. Yeah, that's my, my new home, Union Home. The big so, new
0: home, uh, and Union Home. I, I mean, I had breakfast with Bill Cosgrove in, gosh, when it was in Memphis, and he, were both, he and we were both there, it was at Ohio, whichever one. One of, one of the many conferences that are blurred together. Right? And I just Yeah, and I just, it was Ohio. And I said, Bill, I just want to know, how did you pull this off? How did you get Alice? He beamed Alice from ear to ear like he had just, you know, Rob Fort Knox, he is so excited about you being there, and I'm excited to see what you're going to be doing for them. It's a great company, and it's just that much better with you there. Let's get into talking about some of the legislative update. None of that's going to change. You're going to stay here. And Some of the people that did hear about your announcement were concerned, Dave, hey, she's not going to leave the radio, is she? And I go, nope, no. she's here to stay. Ah, she's here to stay. So, anyway, so give us a legislative update.
5: I want to make sure we have plenty of time for our guests this afternoon because I'm so excited to talk about this, uh, the topic of having a PhD who is right in my field. <laughs> if I don't have one. To call, but I love that. I'm looking for the big opportunity to learn here. So, two quick things. House Bill 1694, it uh, passed the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee. It was unanimous. And this was a couple weeks ago, but under the current law, Feeney and Freddie are not subject to the Freedom of Information Act because they're under conservatorship and they're not a federal agency. So this would amend the FOIA to make its provisions apply to them in today's world. So the next step is to have a vote in the Senate. So far, indications are that the president would sign this and... There's some need, I think, here, especially as the conversation opens up for Fannie and Freddie's, uh the change out of conservatorship into what is the next step, I think getting some insight into how they've been operating and open that up would be uh, a big help to everyone involved to understand what's been going on uh, behind the scenes there. So kind of following up into that is the fact that we now have the MBA's white paper. On June 1st, there was another white paper published by Moles and company. And this, to me, is something that we all need to pay attention to as an industry. The NBA has crafted a very well-thought-out plan. Um, I, I think, Dave, we talked about getting Dave Stevens on the program here in the near yep, future to yep. help people care what's going on, right?
0: And that's so important. And so, we got, in fact, I was texting David. And I was texting back and forth. We're working on getting him scheduled for two recordings. We're going to have him live on this topic, recording him on a leadership issue.
5: A term that re- published this recent white paper, you know, is our clients repre- represent private capital, which part of that is John Paulson, who, you know, made the big score in the subprime meltdown. So this to me feels like the fox wrote a white paper on how to best structure the in <laughs> house. And they got a great idea. They think, you know, here is a wonderful plan. We'll invest a bunch of money, taxpayers. This is going to look beautiful. We're going to structure this chicken coop to look the best way you can. And We're going to put in a back door because back doors are great. You can blow on it now for, for foxes.
2: For foxes, right.
5: great for foxes. We they don't need a fence. We don't need any guardrails or fencing. So this this particular white paper uh, presents essentially an approach that would not require Congress. It would be that the Treasury essentially takes its own action to make the stock available and basically sell off and capitalize any and the The plan that MBA proposes does go through proper channels. Make sure Congress is involved. Uh, Make sure we walk through changing this charter. Set up a better process to have a fund, put in the right level of backstops for uh, any kind of emergency like what we experienced, you know, back during the meltdown. So I really stress to everyone here that they take the time to pay attention to this issue. It is now on the table, right? We've said for years, oh, they're going to never get to it. It is here. It is time for its discussion. And we have to support what the NBA has as a plan. To make sure that our livelihood and our business is uh, has a long and healthy future, and we don't end up with um, private capital really taking control over this and and not taking the opportunity to set up Danny and Freddie with the proper structure and boundaries, and allow other territories into the program, right? Uh, why not? We could use yeah. some uh, diversity into this. So, uh, this is my opinionated too for where we're at right now. I think what would be helpful. At <laughs> uh the on the program would be to get a real true comparison um between the various plans and where keeping systems headed next. So I government, everyone to mm. pay attention to DSC reform. It is on the table and getting lots of it attention and we start congressmen. Yes.
0: Yeah, in fact when it was back for the secondary conference I got invited on Fox to talk about that, and got to go live on set with him, which is always fun when I'm back there. And it's really obvious. This is, I mean, is definitely serious about this. This is going to happen. Some things are changing, and we've got to participate. If you go listen to the podcast where we had Ari Karen on a few weeks ago, search for Ari Karen in the podcast because we talked about this very thing and about how who is in the room is Jamie Diamond and how they are really having a voice in this. And there's some language that's coming up in some of the regulation that is very critical. You want to pay attention to this, folks. Independent mortgage bankers need to know what's going on and get involved. Alice, good to have you with us, and so glad for our Union Home and you. This will be a great future and a great opportunity for you. So glad, to, glad to have you here. Thank you. You bet. All right. So let's go out and uh, we're going to get a word from the Mortgage Collaborative. we got that conference coming up. So without further ado, let's head on over to the Mortgage Collaborative. Be right back. The Mortgage Collaborative was founded by former chairman of the NBA, John Robbins and David Kittle, and leaders at the forefront of the diversity movement in the real estate industry, Jim Park and Gary Acosta. The Mortgage Collaborative is the nation's only independent cooperative. The Collaborative provides its members the opportunity to meet and form meaningful relationships with top mortgage professionals and leaders in our industry. In a relationship-driven business such as ours, often who you know is as important as what you know. To learn more, go to MortgageCollaborative.com or call Rich Sworbinski at 440 the power of the network. So good to have you with us, everyone. That is a great conference that's coming up. Hope to see you there. Let's talk to Sam Garcia of Mortgage Daily. Great website with a lot of great content and some great data. Sam, good to have you with us, friend.
3: Hello, David. Good to be. I'll hurry through some stuff. I got some good headlines for us. Uh, let's just move right into the employment report. The Bureau of Labor Statistics reported Friday that there were 334,200 non-bank employees in the mortgage business. That was 900 more people than a month earlier, and that increase came hmm. despite weak job numbers for the country as a whole across all industries. So, based on our analysis of the. DLS data and also an analysis of origination share data, we estimate that there were 741,500 people working in the mortgage business, including jobs at financial institutions. That total consists of the 338,800 people working at banks who are in the mortgage business, 68,600 people at credit unions, and then the 334,000 reported by the BLS in non-bank jobs. So it's kind of nice to see uh, some growth in the mortgage business when we're expecting it to (laughs) decline over the near future. But moving on, data provided to Mortgage Daily from EMBS indicate that fixed-rate issuances of mortgage-backed securities on behalf of Fannie, Freddie and Jenny were 94 billion in May. That was, yeah, you know, inched up three percent from April, but more, you know, specifically, issuance retreated 16 percent from the same month last year. So we saw a pretty not. Too, super sizable, but a significant drop in a uh, year-over-year MBS issuance by the agencies. Last week, the banking regulators issued an interagency advisory on the availability of appraisers. The advisory was issued in response to concerns over the limited availability of state-certified and licensed appraisers, especially in rural areas. So the regulators said banks and credit unions can use out-of-state appraisers who obtain a temporary practice permit in their state, and they also okay. allow a temporary waiver of some requirements, so a little bit easier for them to get some appraisers to do the work while there there seems to be somewhat of an appraisal shortage in some of those rural areas. (laughs) Last week, our Mortgage Market Index sank 25% from a week earlier. That index is an indicator of uh, upcoming mortgage originations based on open-closed rate lock volume, and that sharp drop really just reflected the Memorial Day holiday. But, you know, uh, we don't apply seasonal adjustments um, on a year-over-year basis and business sank twenty seven percent. That is more significant, you know, obviously, because it compares this right. year's Memorial Day week with last year's Memorial Day week, apples to apples. Interesting news come out of Wells Fargo. They issued a statement last week, Wells Fargo Home Mortgage, indicating that the head of retail mortgage sales and two subordinate executives are no longer with the company. Stepping in to take over the unit was Liz Bryant who was promoted from head of home lending. I don't know why those three executives were let go or what happened, and if anybody does know, it'd be great to hear from them get some more insight on that but uh that's uh, our biggest mortgage company in the country you know with its retail uh, head management there yeah. on the production side you know making some that's some big changes so homepoint financial announced last week that it completed its acquisition of stonegate mortgage the deal was first announced in january and at one point as you know stonegate was among the rapidly growing publicly traded non-bank yes. mortgage bankers. so It was quite a rise and fall, um, of course, as we've seen over Walter and also at Auckland. So uh, it was funny how those non-banks came in and they looked like they were going to really make some headway, but kind of weakening a little bit lately. Fannie Mae reported that it had a 1.07% single-family delinquency rate, 90-day delinquency in April. That was the lowest rate since January 2008. So Fannie keeps making some progress on that performance. A report was recently issued entitled Restoring Safety and Soundness to the GSEs. And, and that report calls for the preservation of the current GSE structure while increasing capital levels. It has the Treasury Department retaining all $266 in and has received and since conservatorship. But the Mortgage Bankers Association you know, was pretty skeptical about it. David Stevens, the CEO of MBA, he noted that the proposal is clearly self-serving and designed to confuse unsuspecting innocent taxpayers into supporting a plan that is intended to line the pockets of hedge funds who invested in Fannie and Freddie. The report was authored by a company called Moles and & Company, and what MBA said that is Molden Company's clients include Paulson and Company and Blackstone GSO Capital Partners, both GSE investors, so really skeptical of that report. One other thing I wanted to bring up, there was just so many articles I wanted to cover, but um, this last one I'll just mention, Aquin filed a lawsuit against Fidelity Information Services and Fidelity, which, you know, handled independent review work that was required in a settlement with the state of California with Aquin is accused by Aquin of overbilling it fraudulently for its services. I mean, some huge numbers that they're accusing Fidelity of, you know, just uh, uh, being pretty uh, sloppy, we'll say, about uh, what they threw in the bills. But anyway. Uh, those are some of those, our biggest headlines over this last week. Again, there was, there was a lot more. It was kind of a busy week from a news standpoint, but, uh, that's it.
0: Well, there's lots of good information in your website. I love it. I think you do a great job and encourage our listeners to check it out. Mortgagedaily.com or give Sam a call at 214-521-1300 or Sam Garcia at MortgageDaily.com. He does respond to his emails. That's a good thing. (laughs) Seeing as we have communications coming up as a topic here later on, I can't wait. So you do a great job, Sam. Thanks so much for being a part of this. Really do. Thank you for letting me. I appreciate it. It's an honor, man. Well, let's run over to ArchMI, listen to what Shawnee Honadale has to say about the Raystar app. So we'll be right back after this brief message. Thanks, David.
5: Glad to be a sponsor. Spring home buying is underway. The supply is tight and interest rates are rising. Are lenders ready to compete for purchase business, or will they get left behind? ArchMI RateStar is the best way to stay aggressive and stay ahead of the herd. Use our risk-based pricing program to assess individual loan risk more precisely. With RateStar, lenders lead their market the way ArchMI leads the MI industry. Lead with us.
0: Love that. Lead with us. ArchMI, great sponsor, great company. They're doing an awesome job, folks. Check it out. Anyway, we've got the Profit Doctor in the house. He's fixing it in what's ailing your bottom line. Andy, Hi, Dave.
2: The Apple Worldwide Developer Conference is streaming live, conflicting no. with LOL. I can't believe it. They just announced a brand-new Mac OS. Oh, I'm so excited.
0: Oh, now, man. So, you, so you're two-timing us, huh? You're two-timing am,
2: us? <laughs> you know me. We are all so bad at this. You and I both are horrible. Yeah, yeah I know. Characters. We are. Yeah. <laughs> Two quick points. okay. One, first on accounting, it's June the 5th. You, where's your financials? Do you have your financial reports? Yeah. I can tell you what, Dave, some of our bookkeeping clients, that, that where we do their books for them, they had their May financials last Thursday. For some of our clients, we get them May financials the day after the month close. So that's pretty cool. That, uh, that is that good. We can show you how. So now a webinar, quick webinar. We're going to be talking about one of our favorite topics servicing and subservicing that webinar is coming up in about three weeks and you know servicing has amazing profit potential but there's lots of rules and there's some real complex workflow and, and extensive scrutiny that's applied to the operation so come watch come listen join the webinar uh, go to mba.org education and you'll find it there on July the 12th. So we would appreciate you joining us and talk about servicing. So now, Dave, I know we got to rush because we want to hear Deborah Jasper, but one key yes. point about servicing. One key point, that's it. Some people say that, <laughs> well, I'm just going to retain the servicing and then if I need the cash, I'll just sell the MSR. So the MSR is the Mortgage Servicing Right. So they look at an MSR like an ATM. You know, they need money, they'll just sell the MSR. Well, yes, not really. that's not really a good idea. The MSR is not like an ATM. It's all kinds of complicated. Selling an MSR creates a servicing transfer, and a servicing transfer sends chills up the backs of servicing people because a servicing yep. transfer is a tremendous amount of work. And here's the scary part. It is highly subject to regulatory risk from customer complaints just because of the transfer and, worse, because there's tremendous amounts of errors that occur upon a transfer, things like not paying property taxes. So it can be a big deal. I use that example because it's happened to me. So we got to do this well. we got to do it right. we got to understand our assets when we hold MSRs because servicing is a great business line. And as you I both know, it can be highly profitable, but – it's substantially more complex than some people think. I've heard some business owners tell me, what's the big deal with servicing? We're just collecting payments and sending money to the investor and paying the insurance. Why is that such a big deal? Well, I'll tell you, you know, one time when you have an MBS, Schedule Schedule Servicing, and you have to do the advance payment, and all of a sudden your cash for payroll is gone, you know, you'll think twice about if servicing is complicated or not. There's so much to it that it's important to learn everything about our business. Servicing is an important part.
0: It is. Very good. And I tell you, that webinar is going to be good. I've heard people talking about it already, Andy. So encourage our listeners that are interested in this topic, and they all should be, to check it out. Good stuff. Appreciate it so much. Have a wonderful. I I can't wait for your participation.
2: I have the the Worldwide Developer Conference on pause so that we can listen to Deborah with my. (laughs)
0: Okay. So I'm glad to know you're going to participate because I, I mean, I know you. You're smart guy. So you like talk. Smart guys like talking to smart people, and Deborah is one smart lady. So we're going to have her on next, right after a word from our sponsor, Motivity Solutions. Here's the KPI of the week, key performance indicator of the week, folks. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after a word from John Maynil of Motivity Solutions.
3: Thank you, David, very much. Great to be here, as always. And this week we have another underwriting-focused key performance indicator, and the KPI is Average Resubmits Per File. This single measurement can not only help lenders develop consistency in underwriting and optimize departmental processes, it can also guide business users to examine contributing tasks and processing that affect this number. KPIs in practice, and you might say by definition, are constantly on display and updated in near real time, making it much easier to pinpoint however many friction points may be combining to produce a given effect, like number of resubmissions, which can also vary by product type, another aspect that the KPI can uncover, demonstrating once again that what gets measured gets results. And with that, Dave, I will turn it back to you. Thanks very much again. So
0: good. Thank you. Check it out, folks, over there at MotivitySolutions.com, MotivitySolutions.com, or call them at 303-721-9000. Well, we've been talking about her all day. Having her come on the podcast, and we have her here now with us. Deborah Jasper, good to have you joining. Us. Dr. Deborah Jasper, <laughs> no so good to have you here. Thanks so much. Great to be joining the show. I was so impressed. For those that do not know of you, you're getting to be well known. You speak a lot in our industry. And for those that are planning events, I encourage you to get a hold of Deborah to speak at your event. I spoke with her at the Great Rivers Conference in. Memphis and it was really amazing. Uh, and we'll tell you about that in just a minute. Her passion is for visual storytelling, she does an amazing job about it. and at uh, continuous learning as an international keynote speaker, that's where she and I both were keynote speakers at this last conference. she specializes in helping business leaders take advantage of the new digital platforms to reach larger audience and build deeper connections. Man, and you got to stay tuned. Pay attention, get your note paper out. Also, she's smart. She has two degrees from journalism and a Ph.D. in educational policy and leadership. From Ohio State University. Is that a good school, Alice? Is, now that you're living there now is Ohio State. I'm just teasing. It's an excellent college. Go excellent university. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. We, we're we UT fans. Now my daughter goes to Baylor. So we, we you yeah, know, we they're their nemesis sometimes when it comes to football. We won't go there. Anyway, she has done award winning investigative in journalism. And Deborah has spent a decade covering presidential campaigns and politics. We're not going to get into politics. Because I want to introduce you to it. Now, let me tell you how the context of how I met Dara. So I never heard of her, saw the intro, thought it was great. So I'm preparing to speak later on that afternoon. So I went to the presentation. First one right out of the gate. You know, normally, I don't know what you plan for a slide. For an hour presentation, she used over 365 slides. I'm going, how does someone do that and convey something so effectively? And it's the key to storytelling. She did an amazing job. After I listened to her, I was so glad I was not the next speaker in line. I felt so sorry for the guy that went up with the traditional PowerPoint with uh bullets. and bullets. I, I ran to my room. I missed the next two speakers. I ran to my room, ripped apart my side deck. I worked for the next two hours redoing it to try to get it close to the many things that we're going to be talking about here. So, folks, we're thrilled to have you here. And I talked about the, at the opening. Today's challenge is no longer connected to people. We've got the blogs, the Twitter, the Instagrams, and the social media sites. The real challenge is for all of us is getting our message in. How do you engage people? So let's get into that topic. Welcome to the podcast. So glad to have you here. Thanks so much. I want to, yeah, I want to talk about, you know, during the keynote speaker, you talked a lot about the power of informal, and I wanted to get into that. Why should mortgage professionals, or any profession for that matter, adopt a more informal Formal business approach?
4: Well, you know, David, I often say that uh, casual does not mean careless. So we're not talking about being a careless uh, writer or dressing carelessly or any of that. But increasingly, we're just living in a more informal age. A real aha for me was the Chicago Tribune. When they first got on Twitter, the first year they had around 157,000 followers to their formal Twitter account. But then they had a funny Twitter account with a uh, a guy in a funny newspaper hat and he had seven hundred and fifty thousand views in the first or er, wow. followers in the first year. And it really is because people tune into the informal. I'm uh, working on a blog post right now called Why Your Business Suit May Be Costing You Business. We're just all Why dressing Your Business more Suit? Oh wow. <laughs> you know, you don't see people I was talking to a CEO the other day who said his Thai company was going out of business. You don't see people wearing ties as much anymore. I was meeting with the CEO of a major bank this morning, and he—no one in the room had on a tie, and um, our chief client officer did, and they were kidding him about it a little bit. So you are seeing people move to a more informal approach, whether that's how you dress, or how you write, or even how you talk. We tune into the informal, so we say write like you talk. Uh, we don't, and Mindset Digital, we I don't think. let folks say, per your request, because we would never say that in real time. And you really have to get to the point, you know, so we have to get rid of our jargon and our big words, and we just don't have time
0: to tune into that anymore.
2: I'm chuckling.
0: That's what I was just saying. One of the things you chuckled about is that, you know, you mortgage bankers could really work on making this (laughs) a little bit simpler because you were listening to all the acronyms we have. But isn't there a downside to informality? That I mean, we're we're stuffy mortgage bankers. We're dealing with the most important real estate transaction or financial transaction of anyone's life, and I'm wondering: is there an expectation? What's the downside if there is?
4: Well, first, if you're working with high net wealth clients, studies show that the fewer, the higher the net wealth, the fewer words they want to see. You know, on average, we get 147 emails a day coming at us. And of course, executives often have three or four hundred emails a day. We just can't get to them all. So there's, that's the first challenge is we talk at Mindset Digital around everything you have you have, you do has to a, adopt an SOS approach, which is short, organized, and skimmable. Say you
0: know, that uh, again. Short, organized, and skimmable. Boy, can't wait for you. I, I know what you're talking about there because I listened <laughs> to your presentation, was t- feverishly taking sure. notes, but explain that.
4: So you get these long meandering emails, we all do, and if you're like me, they get into my to-do Saturday pile, which rapidly becomes my to-do never <laughs> pile, because we just can't, we can't get to it all. And if people are writing long meandering emails with a lot of jargon, it's really tough to get to those. So if your listeners want to just check out how well they're, uh, they're writing, and if they're writing in an accessible, easy to understand way, they can go to readabilityscore.com and drop in an email and just assess it. You should be writing at a score of about a 65, which means you'd be writing at about the Reader's Digest level. But another, you know, you take a look at Rocket Mortgage, for example, and they are, um, through the first three quarters of last year, they had funded more than $5 in loan volume. They're now a top 30 mortgage lender. Uh, The data is pretty amazing if you think about where they are. They have a new account every 34 seconds and a new application every nine minutes gets completed. Amazing. Yes, it is amazing. But you think about if you look at their ads, they have an ad that they uh, put up on YouTube that's around how simple and how easy and how accessible it is to call in and get a mortgage and how friendly and how informal. And they had 14,000 views on that YouTube video in the first minute that they posted it. So we are looking... Are you serious? Did you say
0: that? Yeah. How can you have 14,000 views in one minute? That's that's amazing. I know. And it's because people are
4: looking, you know, it's about building deeper relationships. And we do not build deep relationships with stuffy, formal language that makes us feel like we don't know you. We build relationships with people that we feel are like us. And I always say in the real world, no one says, let's get a cohort together and go to the movies. (laughs) We just don't talk that way. (laughs) So we have to stop writing that way and we have to stop connecting that way.
0: It's a really good point. In your presentation, you talked about that, and I think the key is writing at a. Did you say what like what grade level? When you said Reader's Digest, I mean yeah, it's writing sure. at a level that was much lower than I thought. I thought that was a bit surprising.
4: Well, third grade level is the only level that has a higher than fifty percent response rate. Now, here's what people will say to me. So, Deborah, what you're telling me is, is we have to dumb it down. No, what I'm telling you is that you have to break it down. It's not that we don't want to tune in, but we have not only so many emails coming at us a day, we check our phones on average a couple of hundred times a day. You know, we're constantly glancing at our phone. We see five thousand brand images a day. And that so we just we have to become skimmers and scanners, you know, we because you just can't possibly we're in information overload. We all feel it. And that's why your content, if you really, really want to get your client's attention it's it's more critical than ever to write and present with clarity and impact. And increasingly, that's highly visual in your presentation. As you mentioned, my one-hour keynotes have about 365, 370
0: slides. Blew me and away. And short, Blew me
4: organized, away. and skimmable in uh, your email. Now, I know lots of folks are sitting around going, there's no way I can do 300 slides. And here's the good news. I think in banking and in the financial space overall, the bar is kind of low in the presentation arena. I don't mean that in such a bad way, but it does mean that if you add percent more visuals to your current presentations, you can really stand out and become a much more compelling speaker.
0: Well, I got so many compliments after after we ripped apart my slide deck and followed so many of the pointers. I still didn't get any close to the number. I didn't have the time. But I have really picked up on some tips. And so Alice, I met Alice doing a presentation. She's so dynamic and animated as a presenter. And Andy and I met her when we were there at a conference. It's a funny story. Many people listen to it, so I won't repeat that. But Alice, I want to invite you to come in here, especially with all the training you do, and uh, get your initial thoughts on this. Then I'll run around to Joe and Andy, and then we're going to continue on. I want to get into social media after we talk about that. So Alice, some of your thoughts.
5: Well, thanks, Dave, and thank you, Deborah. I I love what you're saying. It's just so important to be able to feel like you can reach that audience, right? That's what we all want to do, especially the sales folks. So, and I don't want to step on the thunder days for social, but that was what my question was. Was it's okay. like uh, the more socialization you can have with the topic, the more people will engage and remember it so can you talk a little bit about the recommendations you make you, you have for everyone here on socializing that communication and education at the same time
4: or definitely i definitely think that we, we can't leave today without talking about the power of a social presence so it's not you know one of the reasons that i was able to give more than 50 talks last year in five countries and i, I mean i spoke all over the world i was i spoke at the budapest parliament last year i spoke in cabo i've um, given worked in Ukraine one of the big reasons for that is I have a fully optimized LinkedIn presence so 43% of us will look at your LinkedIn profile 15 minutes before we interview with you you know so it's huge for recruiters but increasingly we're looking at your LinkedIn profile before we even decide whether to take a meeting with you so I think for those of us who are in sales it's increasingly critical not just to uh, write and present with clarity and impact but to have a digital presence that shows that you're personable you're friendly professional and also friendly right so so often people will say professional but friendly i say no professional and friendly so when you think about linkedin alone and it is the world's most powerful professional network so if i was recommending one channel it's definitely linkedin We've done, we do LinkedIn makeovers for folks. We've done, uh, done these makeovers for hundreds of executives. In fact, I'm in Cleveland today meeting with a bank to, because we are, we're doing dozens of LinkedIn makeovers for their team. And it means that if I was interviewing you for your LinkedIn profile, I'd say, don't tell me what you do, tell me what you love about what you do. Because every, your online presence really has to reflect your passion for the work that you do every day. And it isn't, your passion for your career, it's your passion for how you're helping your clients. So you really have to start your social presence with how you help others. That's why people want to tune in. Is that, a, is that helpful in thinking through your social presence?
5: Yes, yes. And I, and just that, you know, um, being able to reach out to folks and have some kind of back and forth communication in that socialization. So Lincoln being, I want to tell you, you know, like you said, I'm going to help you do you use LinkedIn, or do you recommend they use it for all, for the posting? You know, or is that more using other social media and leveraging those aspects?
4: Sure. So we recommend LinkedIn as our first recommendation, and of course, we do a lot of work with federal reps and with others. So we, they have to check with their compliance teams and what they're allowed to do. But at the very least, they can have a passive presence on LinkedIn. So that it's kind of a mini microsite of you. It's like having a website of you. Because when you're out talking to your clients, they're not just Googling your company, they're Googling you. That's right. And it's important for people to understand that they have a brand story, and you better tell a good personal brand story. So that's step one, is just have a really good presence. But step two is really understanding that social selling means connections, not commercials. So that, you know, those spam connections, no one is going to buy from you that way, right? Yeah, so if I'm linking into you, I will say terrific meeting you at or really enjoyed your talk when you really need to be able to say how you know me and why you want to connect with me and we've got we're not asking for referrals in the way that we can it's so much efficient more efficient and so much more organized you know this is a database on steroids (laughs) LinkedIn and we do entire social selling courses at Mindset Digital we have both online training as well as in-person in-depth training but our LinkedIn workshops are four hours because people come four and it's a sophisticated hours. platform and if you you know so we'll talk a little bit about how to set up a safe search and then people will set up a search and then we'll talk about you know what is a good way to ask for a connection and then people will experiment with it. So it takes some time to learn but the payoff is huge. It's absolutely huge.
0: You know we've got a bunch of other things I want to get to here but quickly how sure. can people learn more about your training going to the website I'm sure
4: Sure. MindsetDigital.com, or they can email me at Jasper at MindsetDigital.com, J-A-S-P-E-R, and we'd be happy to give them more information. We have online training at ABA.com, the American Bankers Association. So Mindset Digital is the exclusive digital e-learning partner of the American Bankers Association. So people can take our training at ABA.com, or if they want us to do it for them (laughs) – Because as you all know, very often people say, I don't want to write my own bio. Yep. Then we we actually have journalists and others on staff who will interview you, write everything up, post it for you, proofread it for you. And we spend about 30, 35 hours when we do makeovers for folks because it really is – half of it is helping you develop your brand story, and you've got to think through who you're trying to influence. So for those of you who are going to try to do it, you know, your listeners who are going to try to do it themselves, some of the key questions are not what you do, what you love about what you do, right? But also yeah. the three things that I'm most focused on, you say a little bit about your leadership philosophy, and then you wrap up with a great uh, away-from-work line that shows your personality. My favorite is an executive we were working with uh at, a, at Nationwide, actually, and he wrote, away-from-work, I'm a frightening and infrequent golfer, <laughs> So, you know, it's much more <laughs> right engaging, need it frequent. Right? I
1: love that. That's good. Yeah. Much more
4: fun than away from work I play golf. So it's a feature story, and it yeah. makes people want to do good. business with you.
0: I think that's so good. That's so good. Joe, I want to make sure we get time to get your questions in here. Any comments, thoughts?
1: You know, you get them interested with the, how would you describe it, short and simple and, you know.
0: SOS, yeah, short, yeah. organized, and yeah. skimmable.
1: What do you do next? What's the What's the best way to get them? Great Because question. there's a lot of things out there that that need more than short, just to do it as to what it is. So, yeah, uh, what's a the next question. step? great question.
4: So here's what I find fascinating. Too often people start with what they want to tell you versus starting with what you know what they want to tell their clients versus starting with what their clients most want to know. You know, so very often when I'm coaching people, they want to start by saying, I've been in business for 25 years, <laughs> and <laughs> no one cares. Ouch. <laughs> you know, I mean, honestly, no one really cares. I just saw my website. So, <laughs>
0: I, just my web. I just saw my LinkedIn profile going, we have got to make a change to that right away. Okay, so we don't start with
2: that. <laughs> Next.
4: But, and and actually studies show that people don't want you to start with what's in it for you. They want you, the lead has to be what's in it for me. That's why I say, your brand story has to be around how you help your clients. Because we're so busy that, and it can't be a resume. It really has to be, here's how we help you, here's what we can do for you, and here's why we're passionate about the work we do. And so that's why, that's why the next step then becomes very clear. I mean, another quick tip is, what's, what happens when you're in sales and you send an email to a client saying, let's get together next week, send me some time? What are you asking your client to do? I All just the sent work, three
1: right? of those this morning. <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs>
4: <laughs> we do not, our sales team is not, they're not allowed to do that, and, you know, we, we okay,
1: teach our sales help
0: sales me. Teams and we
4: say, no, the best thing to do is to email and say, hi, David, you know, we'd love to get together, are you free at 2 p.m. Uh, next Friday? And, and that that's okay, so be the subject uh, line. So clear call to action, yeah. right? Ah. And you have to pull that apart in a with a bullet point. So if I'm skimming it on my phone, I recognize you're asking me for something. So SOS is step one. Step two, and this is critical, is ARC, which is what is your clear call to action? What is your clear recommendation, if you're making a recommendation? And then your context that should be at the bottom of the email. So if I want to go deeper, I can. But if I really want to know what your critical point is, it's up high and easy for me to recognize.
0: Now, folks, you get yeah, a good. little bit of a flavor of why I was so excited to have Deborah on the program today. <laughs> it, was, it was when she was talking, everyone had pens and paper. I looked around the room, Deborah. I've never seen at a mortgage banking event. So many people taking notes. It's like, first of all, they, their mouth drops open, and then they're going like, "Oh my god, oh my gosh, I got to change that, I got to change that." And then, then they go like, "Oh,
2: <laughs> I better write this down
0: because there's 365 <laughs> slides coming at you, and there's data, and it's rich stuff." So, talking about rich and a lot of data, let's go over to Andy Shell, Andy.
2: <laughs> hey Dave, thanks Deborah for being on the show. Wow, now I so fully embrace everything that you're saying. I love snippets. And I go by the SMF, the short, memorable, and fun. I love little little dweebs. But here's the challenge that I face, and I'm interested to get your insight. I teach advanced accounting to CPA firms, so don't I and insult CPAs. Good. So, so it's like uh, you know, the they look good. We're all the financial statements look good, or. The financial statements presented below in all material in all material respects present fairly the financial condition. So we've got all these sentences that we have to say in our technical yes. writing. And when you read a CPA's bio, it's like, you know, get out the dictionary. So how do you bridge that gap between the required technical writing, the advanced requirements of the CPA, and then I wanting to do short, memorable, and fun?
4: sure and I love this question so we work with a lot of compliance officers and a lot of legal teams. and I always say there is to my knowledge there's not a compliance rule out there that says you have to be boring (laughs) although there are plenty of boring disclaimers right so part of it is where you can put the disclaimer on LinkedIn for example we often work with compliance teams and say look you really need to put the disclaimer at the bottom of the experience section, you don't have to lead with it because it doesn't exactly build trust when people say, these opinions are not my own, right? So <laughs> um, so partly it's where do you put these disclaimers? We work with a lot of CFOs and we really help them understand. When we do, we helped a guy at a major organization the other day. We helped their CFO redesign his presentation for investors. And we brought the numbers in as we talked so that people didn't jump ahead and they could follow along with us. So we have a presentation called The Art of Powerful Presentations and that one of the key fast fixes is just bring text in or numbers in as you're speaking so that people can follow along with you when you're presenting a lot of data. The biggest mistake presenters make, especially financial executives, is the data dump. They're giving me all the data and then I can't follow along because they're giving it to me
2: all at once right exactly too much too fast
0: that's uh, too much too fast and look at what happened we're clicked over we're one minute over the time frame i cannot believe this podcast goes as fast as it does especially when we have compelling content like this deborah outstanding i can't wait to have you back but again for people that want to reach out to you (laughs) i want them to just i'm putting a little pause get a pen and paper out everybody How can they connect with you and learn more and advance uh, their ability to connect in a faster way? And how many seconds was it to to take now to connect? (laughs) Was it six, seven, or eight? Was that you? Eight eight seconds. Eight Eight
4: seconds. And it's not that we won't tune in longer. It's just that we're making a snap decision about whether your content's worth our time, right? And if it is, we still read books, but we're just making a snap decision about whether your content or the content we'll tune into. So people can point. reach me at Jasper, J-A-S-P-E-R, at MindsetDigital.com, or they can go to the MindsetDigital.com website and get more information about what we do and how we can help people present right with clarity and impact and also just rethink their digital presence.
0: And that website, i got to tell you, I love it. The orange that you have in front and how you can slide <laughs> across it is just Perfect. We train people. And you look at all these words. And, that I mean, whoever designed this is brilliant. I love it. This has been so much fun. I enjoyed you when I met you and I spoke. And then, folks, I got up and walked in the middle of the presentation. She hardly sat down. I just walked across the whole audience, sat next down to her, to her and said, uh, could you, would you like
2: to be on my podcast? And uh, that's how You're much great. I'm
0: excited about it. Yeah, it was really fun to have you there, meet you then and have you here now. We definitely want to have you back. And talk more about uh, your um, what you what you can do to help companies. Because I don't think there's anything more important right now is how do we connect with people and do so meaningfully. So thank you, Tom, for taking time to join us here today, Deborah, and we really do appreciate it.
4: Thanks so much, everyone. Really
0: appreciate being on the show. Hope to talk to you soon. Get get a hold of Deborah, everybody. You want to work in your LinkedIn profile? You want to? I, that's the first thing I go to. That's such a point important, important point that Deborah made. First. Thing I check out when someone wants to connect with me is if they're on LinkedIn, number one, if there's a picture there, number two, and what does it say about them? And I've got a lot of work to do on my own. So anyway, next week, got another exciting program we've got coming on. We've got Alex, and I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name because I didn't write it down phonetically, and it's a slap, but he's the founder and CEO of Sales Boomerang. He discusses how to build the relationship between the lender and the borrower. And you're not going to want to miss that podcast, especially as interest rates might be going up that Joe's talking about and other things are happening. Very interesting. Alex and its Coochina, whatever it is, founder founder and CEO of Sales Boomerang. Check it out. Be back here next week. Appreciate you telling others about the podcast. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. I've got to work on the LinkedIn page. And the LinkedIn Unleading podcast. We're about ready to release our new website. It'll be released this week. Check it out. Appreciate you being here, everybody. Have a great week and look forward to having you back here next week.